Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome into the show and Scoops with Danny Mac on a Friday morning. I'm Dan McLaughlin, and this is the Friday edition of the show on 101 ESPN. Coming up on the program, I'll visit with my broadcast partner on the Cardinals TV games, and that's Rick Horton. He has seen two of his teammates head into the Cardinals Hall of Fame, and that's Tom Herr and John Tudor. I'll get his thoughts on those two, and if he believes there will be baseball again this season. All right, I'm going to start with baseball. Tonight on ESPN, there's an outside-the-line story on the late Roy Halladay. It's the 10th anniversary of Halladay's perfect game against the Marlins. And tragically, if you don't know, Halladay was killed in a plane accident, and this show will go into his addiction to pain medication. Twice he went into rehab to try and get through this addiction. And one of his best friends is former teammate, Cardinals Hall of Famer, Chris Carpenter. He appeared on ESPN yesterday to talk about his late friend. It definitely is, is something that is always heavy on my heart. I think uh, when we both ended our careers, we, um, we definitely had our struggles. You know, I, I, I've shared before that with many people that uh, the game teaches you a lot. It teaches you, uh, you know, responsibility. It teaches you how to compete. It teaches you how to, to navigate people with all the different people that come into the clubhouse. Um, they also teach you how to and, and make sure and remind you to stay financially secure because you retire at such an early age. But they don't teach you is how to deal with, uh, you know, going from that everyday structure, that everyday competition. Um, and then once it ends, uh, you have nothing. And, and you got to figure out how to kind of reshape your life um, when you've been doing it for the last 20 years. We both struggled. Uh, we both had issues. Um, and unfortunately, and that's something that I wish I could take back. Um, you know, from that time until he passed, um, I was dealing with my own stuff, uh, trying to get my own life together. And, and, and as now that we all know, so was, so was Doc. And uh, I just wish I could have some of that time back and, and maybe we could have gone through our things together, worked together uh, to try to fix it, to try to help him and he tried to help me. But, uh, you know, you can't take back what, uh, what has happened. Uh, I'm just trying to move forward with uh, loving on who he was, uh, what he brought to this, uh, this world. And, and also hold on to some of the memories that he brought to me. Well, I'm really looking forward to that show tonight. And Carpenter's really well thought out said comments made me think a lot about what I've heard from current players that are not playing right now. They're on the outside looking in. And I've talked to some. And the game has been taken away from them as they try and get a deal done and play baseball. This summer, it's the money, the competition, the adulation. Blink of an eye, snap of your fingers, it's gone. And it comes to an abrupt halt. And I think we've heard that from Yadi Molina and comments to Marley Rivera about that. He wants to continue to play not just this year, next year, but beyond. They've been home. They understand how much they miss the game. The transition to, let's call it civilian life, isn't easy for a pro athlete. Literally, one day you're on top of the world. Everybody loves you. The next day, you're average Joe. And that's in every, every sport. So I would imagine that many players are feeling that right now as we speak. The game has been taken away from them, and this isn't easy. And I would imagine a great majority of them haven't ever experienced this kind of time at home. So there's got to be a purpose in your life. And when you're a player, it's going to the ballpark, being the best you can be. It's the competition. 
I do think we will hear from many players that say they will play until they tear that jersey off of them and they just can't do it anymore. To sidebar to what is happening in sports right now, and Chris Carpenter summed it up beautifully. I haven't heard, by the way, from one player, not one, that says, I'm happy right now, don't want to play baseball, not this year. They want to play. However, with each passing day and the fact that there are leaks everywhere in negotiations, this is being played out in the public, and it's not good. It's a terrible, awful look for the sport. There will be no winner. And why is Scott Boris talking, just talking with Randy and Michelle? He reps some of the biggest players in the league, but he's not the union leader. He's not the commissioner of baseball. Barry Meister is one of the premier sports agents for the past two decades. I have great respect for Scott Boris. Uh, Having said that, I never think it's productive for the players or the agents in the middle of a complex negotiation like this to create more noise in the structure. And so when, you know, people like to talk about what the players say and what the agents say and what Scott Boris says, but I honestly think it's detrimental to the process. And I just think it's okay to make your opinion known, but I think what's really important is what's going on in that room in New York or the two rooms where the two sides are. Couldn't agree more. It adds to the public scrutiny of this situation. And currently, baseball can't agree on the actual agreement that was made just a couple of months ago in late March. Now, think about that. They had an agreement, and now they're arguing about that agreement. And that's where this is. How about this comment coming up? Jeff Passan of ESPN doesn't think it may get any better. When he visited with Rich Eisen yesterday, he was asked about the percentages of playing in 2020. For the whole enchilada, I'm still over 50%. I was at at 75 yesterday afternoon or so. Um... And and part of that is because I thought I thought the union was gonna was gonna bend a little bit. I did. I did not believe that the union was gonna come out as strident as it did. And when that happened, that definitely decreased the possibility of the season happening this year. But it certainly did not nullify it. What it did was set up a scenario in which uh, the doomsday trigger could be pulled. It's going to come down to the owners. I mean, I, I do believe when the players say we want to play, I do actually believe that. Um, I think there are some owners who don't. I think there are some owners who worry that mm. uh, playing is going to cost them too much. Uh, they're going to lose too much money and uh, that they would rather just punt the 2020 season. It's a scary thing to hear. It feels like you're focusing just on 2020 and not the repercussions beyond. Wow. Wow. I'm not going to go that far. I'd like to believe, and maybe I'm naive, that everybody wants to play. And that includes owners. I would like to think that everybody involved, umpires, players, front office personnel, owners, everybody wants to play. When the season shut down in 1994, there was Cal Ripken. He was going to break Lou Gehrig's streak. Consecutive games played. Then there was 98, the summer of Sosa McGuire. Yankees dynasty that brought the fans back. What's going to bring the fans back this time if they don't play? If they don't play, this is a scenario of 18 months. 18 
without a meaningful baseball game. The players know that. The owners know that. Basketball and hockey could potentially award a champion and start their next season before baseball in 2021. That can't happen. Respected baseball writer Scott Miller doesn't see either side budging. I don't, and that's that's part of the problem. I mean, the two things that aren't going to happen are the owners opening their books and the players agreeing to anything that smacks of the salary cap, which revenue sharing they view as, as, a, as a pseudo salary cap. From the Air Comfort Service text line to 314, Danny Mac simply put, does baseball come back? And by extension, will the fans love your passion on the show? Well, the answer is yes on both fronts, especially if they play this season. Now, if they don't play this season, then I see tons of fans who say, I've had enough. Regardless of when or if a deal gets struck, what concerns me is how much goodwill the sport has already squandered. The optics of this situation are brutal. There's no denying that. It's being uh, played out publicly. The leaks. Kyle Loesch and Trevor Bauer on Twitter last night going back and forth. Look terrible. The hardline stances on both sides. And as we continue down this road, the average fan doesn't want to hear it. We've heard the date of July 4th for the potential of baseball's return. And those associated with the game envision baseball to be the first sport back in action this summer. That would have looked great for the sport. Look, we're putting our differences aside. We're coming out. We're the first one back. And that still could happen. But you have to wonder what the bickering back and forth has done to the fan base. The minor leagues, they took another hit yesterday. Not sure you saw this, as many teams have decided not to pay the minor leaguers. Remember, Major League Baseball wanted to cut back anyway this season, so it's beginning. The minors make their money with fans in the stands. Fans in the stands. They don't have revenue streams of Major League clubs. So it should be noted that the Cardinals, though, are paying their minor league players through at least June. They're doing the right thing, it looks like. Garrett Brocious, a lawyer that works for minor leaguers, was a guest of Randy Michelle yesterday. The lack of representation for minor league baseball, that is huge. Yeah, and the cause of that is, the root cause of it is the fact that they don't have a union, they don't have representation at all. Uh, the Major League Baseball Players Association doesn't represent the minor league players. And so in many ways, this contract is very much uh, something that's out of the 1920s. It's not something that you see in modern labor. It has changed very little over the past of the past 100 years. Um, it requires them to perform services throughout the year, but it says that they're only paid during the season then. Uh, you know, what other industry is going to think about requiring employees to perform work throughout the year, but only pay them for a few months out of the year. It doesn't really make sense. But, you know, and so the lack of representation is the big issue here, and that's what really needs to change. Yes. So what's next for the minor leaguers, okay? What's next for these guys? Where do they go? Now, you know, you think about football as a feeder of college football. Basketball, college basketball is the feeder. Now, you had a ton of guys playing minor league baseball because you need players to help out your top prospects. So what's next for minor leaguers that are not getting paid? Well, they are working right now without pay. So I think it probably matches that definition. And I think that's the thing that really gets lost in this. You know, I tell people all the time that, well, these players should be paid uh, right now for for, for what they're doing. They say, well, what are they doing? There's not a minor league season. 
And what's lost in it is these guys are working. You know, even the Oakland A's, after they sent that email, they told them that the contract remains in place and they're still expecting them to do work. So these guys are probably training 15, 20 hours a week or even more on behalf of the Oakland A's. They just aren't getting paid for that. And that's really, here's another term for you, unconscionability. That's a legal term. But, you know, this is an unconscionable situation because the A's are telling them in that email that they remain under under the restraints of this contract, but the play, some meaning that the player can't go out and use his his abilities and his skills that he's worked so hard to develop and get paid in some some other way. Assuming that there would be baseball somewhere where where uh, where a player could be paid for his services, and he still has to continue training, but he's not being paid for that work. And it's just a really un-American result. Yeah, really interesting thoughts. Taking a look at uh, the minor leagues and another disappointing aspect of what has transpired in the game of baseball. The NBA and the NHL have figured out ways to get their sports back on the ice in the hardwood. We've seen that happen the last couple of days. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark was a guest yesterday of Ribs and BK. Now, I've actually been reading these quotes from Don Fear today. Remember him? He used to run the Players Union, feared and hated by the other side. And now he's running the Hockey Union. They're the first sport to get it done. And he said he's never seen a negotiation quite like this in 40 years of doing it because neither side came into it saying they need to win. They both feel a need to find a way to play. That's the amazing part of this. Don Fear? I mean, people couldn't stand him in baseball at times. Gary Bettman? He was commissioner when an entire season of the NHL was lost. And these are the beacon of hope and light that we have right now, and we applaud them? What is going on here? They got the job done. They're going to get their guys back playing. And baseball right now can't figure it out. The Air Comfort Service text line is open. So is the Rhino Shield mic drop. We'll go to Lisa on the mic drop. Hey, Dan, listening to your show, the whole thing with baseball, because I love it so much, just makes me sad. I just truly, truly hope they can figure it out because I'm a fan no matter what. But a lot of other people aren't, and they're going to really hurt the sport that a lot of us really love. It will hurt the sport. You're welcome, and thanks for uh, the Rhino Shield mic drop. That is open. Also, the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. You know, I'm at the point where where I'm frustrated is that it's being put out to the the sports fan and, and the leaks. And it's just a bad look for a sport that I love. From the 770, Dan, it's the same for a AAA umpire. This goes beyond the money. I missed the walk to the plate meeting my crewmates. A broken heart is an understatement when baseball is all you know, even as a kid who played the game through high school. It's well put. I'm in the same boat. Been doing this for over two decades, and I miss the game, and I don't want to see it lost because they could not come up you know, with an agreement. If it's truly about money and it's not a say about safety protocols, if they can agree on the safety protocols and it comes down that they can't come to an agreement on money, shame on them. Shame on them. And by the way, 17, think about it, 17, 18 months without the game, with other sports playing, with maybe the potential then of the NFL also coming back, college football also coming back, and you haven't played a meaningful game. That's what is at stake right now. 
and you will lose fans, a lot of them, and it'll be a different-looking game when it comes back. Again, the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, Rhino Shield Mike Trop. And uh, this is from the 314. Dan, are you angry, frustrated, or just embarrassed to be associated with a game of baseball at this time? No, I'm not, a, I'm not embarrassed at all. Um, I'm not angry at all. I'm, I'm frustrated because today we could have an agreement come out, and I'd say, yeah, didn't like to hear the bickering, but you know what? They got a deal done, and they'll be back on the field, and they'll also be maybe playing by July 4th. And not to say that it all goes away, but over time it would. And the bottom line is they got a deal done. I love this game. I know many of our fans in St. Louis love this game. So you just want to see it back on the field. And again, I see both sides of this, owners and players, legitimate arguments. But man, you got to put it aside some way, somehow. Have to because you got to get back on the field. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We got over 40 million people unemployed. They need a diversion. You could be that diversion at times. And by the way, you could be the first sport back and bring in a casual fan because there's nothing else on. You've already gone through Tiger King or Lizard King or whatever the hell they call it. You've done everything on Showtime. You've done everything on HBO. You want something that doesn't have an ending that you don't know about yet. Okay, that's a baseball game. It'd be awesome. Let's get it back. Air Comfort Service text line 65780, Rhino Shield, mic drop, and we'll visit with Rick Horton when we come back on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. with Danny Mac. We do it at 10 o'clock every day on 101 ESPN. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, 1023 in St. Louis. Air Comfort Service text line, and this is from the 573. Danny Mac, love the show. I have nothing but respect for the DeWitts. I'm with you. The DeWitts have uh, paid their employees in full. They are fighting to try to keep baseball going. They're paying their minor leaguers. They try to do the right thing. Now, we all can agree or disagree on how they spend their money on a free agent. That's part of the sport. Uh, but in, in terms of what they're doing with their employees, and I'll throw John Mosellock in there, too, because he's at the forefront of what the, uh, the organization's trying to do. They're trying to do the right thing. And NBA and the NHL had roughly 85% of their season. And right now... Uh, Major League Baseball is at square one, so I give them a ton of credit, and I, I know them personally, and they are wonderful people. They do care about their employees, and I applaud them for what they've done. We mentioned that uh, Rick Horton is the Cardinals TV broadcaster with me throughout the season, and he does radio as well. And this past week, a couple of his teammates decided, uh, you know what, it's time, and the fans decided it's too. Tommy Her and. Uh, John Tudor go into the Cardinals Hall of Fame along with Bill White, and I asked Ricky about his thoughts on that trio headed to the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Well, well let me first say, Bill White, I grew up uh, in New York, so I listened to Bill White regularly as a broadcaster for Yankees baseball. So I feel like, you know, I, I'm a fan of his even before I had the Cardinal connection and knew all about his great numbers. So congratulations to him. And of course, he was the league president for a long time, so very well deserved. But the two guys that I played with, Dan, that is uh, very special to me that two guys that I care about, that I'm still friends with, get a chance to uh, have this honor. And I feel like vicariously, I get to enjoy it with them. You know, I feel like when, when Ozzie went in the Hall of Fame, uh, the National Baseball Hall of Fame, and when Whitey went in, I felt like a part of me 
had a joy from that. that I can't even explain it, but it, did I have anything to do with them going there? No, but I feel like I'm part of their lives and their friends. I feel the same way about Tom uh, and John Tudor, both very deserving Cardinal Hall of Famers. Tommy Herr was kind of the, the link of those 1980s teams that gets overlooked. Is that, is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think he's understated in some ways. Tom is not a talker, but when Tom would talk after games, I talk about this a lot, he would kind of hold court and say, here's why we won, here's why we lost. And so when Tom would speak, everybody would listen. He knew the game, still knows the game, uh, inside and out, knew all the rules. Uh, I've likened him to the Yadier Molina of, of those uh, teams where he just was like having another manager or another coach on the field. And, and Tom just did a lot of things right. And, uh, you know, his, his hands were incredible as a second baseman. And had Tom Herr not gotten hurt in the minor leagues, Dan, he might have been a 60, 70, 80 stolen base guy in the big leagues. You know, we're talking about Vince Coleman and Willie McGee all the time as far as stolen bases. Tom Herr might have, might have been in there had he not had all of his knee injuries, but still a, a, a dynamic player. When you think of John Tudor, what comes to mind when you think of this great lefty that is the ERA leader in St. Louis Cardinals history? Well, John, I think of pursuit of excellence. Everything he did, he wanted to do it as well as he could possibly do it. As a young pitcher, he threw 90, people don't know this, but when he was with the Red Sox and he was a 13-game winner at Fenway Park as a young pitcher, he was throwing 92, 93 miles an hour. But by the time his shoulder went through all the things that pitchers' shoulders go through, he, he was throwing in the mid-80s, maybe max, and didn't have a great breaking ball. He was fastball changeup, fastball at 85, changeup at 78. And, you know, I saw him do things with that changeup, make people look silly, uh, and, and, and he did it with such a perfectionism uh, that I think was really his trademark. He threw, you know, in that year in 1985, Dan, I don't know how many pitches total you throw in a year, but I'm going to say 98% of them were exactly where he wanted it to go. Yeah, and, and go back to that year, 1985. If not for Dwight Gooden, he wins the Cy Young. So he starts out 1-7, and seven, then goes on this unbelievable run. What, what happened in that 1985 season that allowed him to click? Well, I think in, in a couple of things about that. He was 1-7, but his ERA was 3-7, which is not great. But we, he was not getting a lot of support either. Uh, and you think about that. Let, let's say that we would have been able to win half those games. The team got off to a bad start, actually, in 1985. But he wins half those games. Maybe he does win the Cy Young because he ends up being a 25-game winner, 26-game winner. Uh, but during that streak, uh, he had uh, you know a high school uh, teammate, uh, call him and say, you know, you're doing something a little bit different with your delivery in terms of where your hands are and your and your and and kind of uh, where your where your motion is. And he made that quick change, and it just everything fell into place like a golfer that finally gets his swing on plane. And he was just uh, meticulously. Uh, perfect after that and uh he, he would he would come in <laughs> my favorite thing about john tudor is that he, during that streak of going whatever it was 20 and one he'd come in after every warm-up session and say i've got nothing today got no chance of of winning get ready boys and of course we weren't even wearing our spikes we were wearing our turf shoes because we knew we had the night off and and sure enough uh he would say he had nothing and he would pitch a 88 pitch complete game shutout uh, 10 shutouts, by the way, for John Tudor that year. He, he, the last guy to have 10 or more shutouts as a big league pitcher. I think it's pretty amazing. Tommy Herr in that year has 110 runs batted in with only eight home runs. That's unheard of, isn't it? 
Yeah, and you're talking about a pennant-winning team, which is a big deal. You want to win the World Series, and we didn't. But but that team was extraordinarily good. We, we were really close to each other. And, and you know, back then, Dan, uh, I think a, a fan of uh, baseball history will know that in the 80s, and that is a, a way, but everybody's, everybody's best hitter hit third. Now, Mike Trout doesn't hit third now, and, you know, that's not what people do anymore. They might hit second. You might hit, you might hit third. You might hit first. But – Back then, everybody's best hitter hit third. Well, guess who was hitting third for, for most of that season for the Cardinals? It was Tommy Herr. Several switch hitters in the lineup, but he took advantage of the fact that the guys in front of him were pretty good, pretty good players, could run the bases. He would take pitches and let them steal. You know, they, they say that about Ted Sizemore and Lou Brock. Ted Sizemore might have hit 20 points higher had he swung at pitches early in the count and didn't give Brock a chance to steal. He'd say the same thing about Tom Herr. But once they got the second or third, he was incredible at driving them in. But that was kind of the key with Tommy when you think about it. He gave himself up a lot for the betterment of the team. And that's something I think that gets overlooked a lot with Tommy Herr's career. Yeah, and, and knowing Tom the way I they know him, uh, he was over the word overlooked. We've said that a couple of times, but that is so him. I mean, he, you know, you, when you think about those teams, obviously you think about the kind of the the excitement of, of of Vince Coleman and and Willie McGee and and the perfection at shortstop with Ozzie Smith. But you always talk about Smith and her, Smith and her, Smith and her. Well, Tom was almost the the afterthought. Yet, um, you know, I would say our team leader in many respects, and and the guy that. You know, when it when it came down to it, you wanted him at the plate to drive in the run. I mean, there were guys that could hit the ball further than Tommy Hurt, no question about that. But you're talking about a consistent quality at bat where somebody is is doing uh, what the situation requires. He was great at situational hitting, and uh, again, that's who you want when the game's on the line. And and so I I'm so happy for Tom because I I know what it means to him, Dan, to be recognized. I feel the same way about John Tudor. John Tudor is recognized by Cardinal fans as being a tremendous uh, competitor in the 80s. I don't know if he's had a chance to feel that yet, not living in St. Louis. So these are two out-of-town guys that are going to come back into town whenever we are able to do that. And and I am excited to see the emotions that might come from these two guys uh, based on the fan reception. What do you think it means to Whitey? I know Whitey was really pushing for these guys to get into the Hall of Fame. I, I think it's. Uh, I think he's very, very happy about that. There's no question. You know, Whitey's always thought that. You know, there's some players in the '80s that maybe we missed, and I, I think the, the reality with this process of the Hall of Fame is, you know, you're doing a little catch up, and it, because of, of of when it started, and you certainly have the Hall of Famers in there, the Baseball Hall of Famers. They were kind of the natural, and then you kind of get the more recent favorites, and and then you kind of reach back and get the favorites from the '60s and the '40s and the '20s, and 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 you're doing your best to cover all those eras, but there was a time probably where the 80s were being overlooked a bit and, and I think Whitey uh to be able to see those guys uh, in red jackets um you know he's going to feel like he's got his boys back on the field with him and uh I'm looking forward to that moment what do you think the speeches will be like for both Tommy and John Tudor John Tudor can be a little crusty now so it'd <laughs> well, be a little fun I, I gotta say Tom Hur's a little crusty too so so but I mean both of them are just they're just not very kind of they're stoic both of them I mean in different ways Tom is just kind of very stoic and 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 John is intellectually stoic and they're just not you know I I know I heard a report of John was was asked about uh, what it feels like he goes yeah it's good I mean I I know he means more than that I know he feels more than that I know it's important to him, and again with Tom as well. I had a chance to text both of those guys, and and they're honored uh, to be 
in the Hall of Fame. They're not speechmakers, either one of them. Uh, but but I hope that a little bit of their passion and their personality comes out in this. Uh, and uh, you're not going to again see a big you know big presentation from either one of them uh, because that's not their style. But uh, I think they let their their playing do the speaking for them. And finally, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about baseball in 2020. What, what do you think? Do you think we're going to have it? And, and if we do, what's it going to look like? I'm still very hopeful, Dan. And, you know, as you know, as the negotiations along the way have, you know, kind of been an issue and there's all kinds of issues. There's issues with everybody going back to work, frankly. So it shouldn't surprise us that that's happening in sports and in baseball in particular, which is our world here. But I just think there are too many reasons uh, for us not to come back. I just, I, that's my, that's what I'm standing on. And that's what I'm hopeful in that, you know, fans want baseball, owners want baseball, players want baseball. Now, the how you get there is the, is the, of course, the, uh, the big trick and the big magic. But, but I think ultimately we'll get there because it's that important to each one of us that love the game. Well, put by Ricky Horton, our thanks to my Cardinal broadcaster on the television side from the, uh, let's see, 636 here on the Air Comfort Service text line. Dan, Rob Manfred has taken over as the worst commissioner in any sport. He handled the cheating scandals terribly. He constantly wants to harp on issues that no one cares about, i.e. pace of play, and the relationship between players and owners has deteriorated since he has taken over. I will boo the bleep out of them next time I see him. Oh, by the way, love the show. Oh, well, that's that's a positive way to end that one. Okay, thanks. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with the cheating scandals. That was handled poorly. Um, some of the things that have been brought into the game of baseball, Ricky and I actually have talked about this, that sometimes you can introduce too much too quickly. Uh, that can be a problem. But in terms of where we're at with the commissioners, uh, he's got to be at the bottom right now because they don't have an agreement. And we're at a time where baseball could have center stage in early July. And it's a critical time for the sport. This is not 1994 when the sport shut down. This is a pandemic. This is all sports shut down. This is people craving, craving sports or something as an outlet other than what we talked about earlier. Shows that you could download or watch. They want to see this. So you got to get it together. I, I think the guy that really has stood out through all this in terms of, and we'll see if it plays out, but Adam Silver and the NBA commissioner, he is always talking with his top players. LeBron, LeBron James has a huge voice in what this thing will look like if and when the NBA comes out. We have heard on the NHL side, the input of the players has been critical for uh, Daly and Bettman, the, the two heads of what's happening with the NHL. You're not hearing that, though at least not in the last 24 hours, about Manfred and his top players. You're just hearing about bickering, and that's what's turning people off. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Rhino Shield mic drop. We'll get to those. This is Scoops with Danny Mac on a Friday, 10 a.m. till 11, every day on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin. We call this Scoops with Danny Mac, and we do it every day. 10 to 11, prior to Ribs and BK, they'll have you from 11 to 2. 101 ESPN presents Play Gloria. The St. Louis Blues run to the Cup every Thursday, Friday night. You can hear replay of two classic games from the Blues run to the Cup. And tonight it is Blues-Bruins Game 4, the Stanley Cup Final. Pre-game starts at 6, play-by-play at 7. 
play Gloria. The St. Louis Blues run to the cup is brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Rhino Shield mic drop. We have one. Let's go to Dustin. Hey, Dan. So what about the Grizzlies in the Frontier League? They're not affiliated with MLB. Are they going to open up? Great question. Don't know. Um, Want to find out more about that. And I guess my answer would be that their affiliation in baseball would be separate to what we're talking about with the minor leagues. And so it comes down to then local CDC guidelines. So, for instance, you know, you think about if you're over in Illinois, well, the Illinois rules are going to be a little bit different because of what's happening in Chicago. It's statewide rules and what's going on in the state of Missouri. But at this point, there's been no decision made, at least to my knowledge, on those groups. Let's go to the 573. Danny Mac, love, love, love you at 10. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Bud Selig or Rob Manfred, who do you have? Interesting. Um, you know, when you look at those two commissioners, and I would say for any commissioner, one of the, the biggest things that you worry about on a personal level is legacy. What is my legacy going to be when I'm done? I'm retired. It's all said and done, and I had a run of 10, 15, 20 years, whatever the case may be. I don't know about you, but when I think of Bud Selig, I think he's known as the guy that canceled the season of World Series in 1994. That's part of his legacy. That's not a good part of it. That's the worst thing any commissioner would want. Gary Bettman has that on his resume. Lost season, no Stanley Cup awarded. I'd also think, though, with Bud Selig, uh, I, I think about the expansion of playoffs, the wild card. I think that's been a great thing for baseball. Interleague play. I'm not a huge fan of it, but a lot of people like it. So it brings a lot of people to the stands, into the seats. So it's about generating money for your owners. And never forget, Bud Selig was an owner. He was an owner at one point. So he's working for those guys. Now, in terms of Rob Manfred, his legacy right now is a guy that wants to change up a lot. Now, let's just say we had a normal season going on right now. I think if you said, what do you think about, you know, Rob Manfred and what he's done as a commissioner. I'd say, well, there's been a lot of rules brought in. Looks like he's going to bring in the DH. We got the three batter minimum. Um, you know, that's all part of it. I think they could have realignment going forward. But don't don't lose a season because this is not like 1994. This is unique. This is a pandemic. This is a chance to come back. And I don't want to think, uh, I would not want to think that you'd want to be the commissioner at a time that, you couldn't bring the two sides together to make something happen that was for the betterment of the country, certainly. You wouldn't say that in 94. There's other things going on, but right now there's not. No other sports. You got NASCAR. You got golf charity events. You want to be the guy known that during a pandemic you couldn't come together on on finances, economics? Well, I wouldn't want that on my resume. Let's go to Joshua on a mic drop. You know, I think that it's a sentiment shared by most fans that all this quarreling is extremely distasteful, especially amid the current situation and with the CBA on the horizon. It's really hard to be pro player or pro owner right now. In fact, I'm pro fan, and my only hope is that fans realize the influence that they have on the game. Obviously, seats weren't vacated by choice, but this should be a reminder that we're the consumer and that we indeed influence the market. You do, and you hit on something that I'm very concerned about. Let's just say hypothetical is you do wind up having a season this year. You go into next year, and you hope 
God willing, there's a vaccine or a sense of normalcy to control the virus. And so you're back to putting people in the seats. And then that season ends. What are you looking at with a CBA? How bad, how raw are the nerves from what's transpiring now that looks ahead after next season? I'm concerned about that as well. Very, very, very concerned. And we have from the 314, Danny Mac, miss you on the games. Tell me what it's going to look like on television if there's no fans in the stands. There's a lot of things, a lot of things that baseball could do. And I'm not I'm not privy to those meetings, but I can tell you what I would do. And I can tell you what I think you could expect. Why not a drone? Put a drone in a game. You know, you're doing it in NASCAR. Why not do it here? There's no fans in the stands. You're going to see different camera angles for sure because you can put cameras where fans normally would be seated so you're not blocking and taking away the view of a a paying customer so i think there's going to be unique looks at that miking players miking coaches miking the manager in-game interviews should be done so let's just say that a pitcher goes out gives you five six seven good innings why not have him on a headset to talk about what he did now all of this all of it is contingent on the fact that you better have players buying in. And they have to have an understanding that the atmosphere of a crowd is gone, and we're trying to sell this to the American public and the sports fan to make this the most enjoyable experience you can have watching a game. And that means you better have buy-in from the players, the coaches, and the manager. That's got to be emphasized, and I'm sure it will be. But different camera angles, miking players, maybe bringing in different people that are... You know, part of the Cardinals family and history to talk for, you know, in a box on your screen for a half inning as the play by play is going on. Sure, why not? I, I think that's part of it. 314 had people post videos of them cheering from home and put them on the big. Why, why not? Pipe in some music during the games. Let the home team, because you're going to go to home cities, let them choose the music they want. Give yourself a little atmosphere. Anything is on the table. Anything. It's a blank canvas. You're Rob Manfred. You're the commissioner. Here you go, my man. Blank canvas. Make it fun. Make it enjoyable. Get on the field and play. I appreciate all the Rhino Shield mic drops, the Air Comfort Service text line. I apologize if I can't get to all of them. It's getting lit up. And believe me, you make me think. And hopefully I make you think. This is your show. And I appreciate you for tuning in 10 to 11 every day on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Luke Clevenger has been running our board, producing the show. He's done a great job here this morning. Ribs and BK now in studio. And I, I guys, I, yeah, I, I got to be, I mean, I'm supposed to be honest on this show. I try to be as honest as I can. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's part of the deal, I guess. I mean, it's kind of what we're hoping, right? I'll be. I, I lost sleep over the fact that I did not give you enough time in the crossover yesterday, and that you were very, very upset. So I tried to go a little <laughs> bit shorter to make sure that we could cross this thing over properly. Well, Jamie wears his emotions on he his really sleeves, does. Dan. Yeah. So I appreciated him speaking his mind yesterday. Hey, at least you know where you stand, right? I'm not going to walk around and be like, oh, my God, I didn't give us any time. I'm be, hey, Danny, let's go. We all got work to do here, you know? Again, I need to apologize and put it on 
the table. I am sorry. And that was on me, okay? No apologies necessary. I, well, I thought it was funny. And I thought the way we all handled it was really funny, too. And you were like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> that was good. BK, what's going on? What do you guys have coming up? You always have great guests. Yeah, looking forward to it today. We've got Jesse Rogers coming up at noon talking about baseball. Hopefully he's got some good news for us at that point. Uh, and Matthew Schneider. I'm really excited about this oh, cool. one. Special assistant to the NHLPA director, Don Fear. So we will talk with him coming up at 1.30 as well. I find it just... I don't know. I, I don't know why I, I laugh at this every time. I was talking about it earlier in the show. But Don Fear, who, if you followed baseball negotiations for decades, was the head of the Players Association. And he was the guy like, you jerk, you're doing this, you're doing that. I can't stand you. The players are greedy. You're greedy. And now he's like, oh, Don Fear's We've had this. And he, you hear these <laughs> comments. We've had a great relationship with Gary Bettman, the NHL. The players are on board. I've never seen anything like it. Gary Bettman lost an entire season. He looks to me to be one of the leaders of this whole thing. It's just crazy how this has turned around. It's nuts. And I heard you talking about Donald Fear, and, and we talked about it a little yesterday. Like, this is the guy that was, you know, I don't want to say public enemy, number one. He was one, a villain. But he was a villain in the baseball world. Yeah. And then he goes over, and at first when he took over the, the, the NHLPA, even I was like, what is a baseball guy yes. going to do here? But he's done some great things, and if nothing else... Him and Gary Bettman have reached across the aisle and decided that we're not doing this like old school. We're not going to be like my side, your side. We're going to come out here. And I think the biggest comment was that neither side is just trying to outright win. Yeah. They're trying to let the sport win. I, I think one of the things that needs to, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, is I reflect on what's going on with baseball and hockey and the NBA, and, and rightfully so. The NHL and the NBA are getting a lot of credit because they're going to come back. I just wonder if they were in baseball's shoes, having not played at all, um, would we be saying the same thing? So I, while you know Major League Baseball is getting kicked around and it's been ugly because it's been public, you know they've had nothing coming in, and and that needs to be made a point of. I mean, you could talk about what this, the worth is of owners, and you know the players need to get their money and all that kind of stuff, but if there was at least a relaxing period that the players received, and in some cases, correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie, but NBK, but NHL got 100 percent of their their salary, correct? They deferred their last. They deferred the last but, payment, yeah, but, but essentially, pay- yes, correct. So, you, know, you wouldn't have, I don't think, the you know the budding heads that we're seeing right and now the with MLB. Books are already opened in those leagues. The Major League Baseball is the one that it's not. They already share the revenue in the NHL, in the NBA, and in the NFL, so it wouldn't even be the same discussion from that perspective. There's there's just more to discuss in baseball because of the way that baseball is structured and the way that they pay their salaries. I just thought last night I was I was scrolling through Twitter and it was just it was ugly. I was watching Kyle Loesch and Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer is one of the top pitchers in the game when he's right. You got Kyle Loesch who pitched, you know, decade and a half in the league. Great guy, by the way. Love him. He was here in St. Louis. He's a yeah. good dude. I don't like to see that. I don't like to see the negativity coming out. Then you get the news on the minor leaguers, and it's just, everything's negative. And I, I just wonder if it, if the roles were reversed, what would we be talking about with these sports leagues? I don't know if you guys agree, but that's where I'm at. Baseball is in a unique situation and not in a good way. They are the one league right now that has regular season games that need to get played. I mean, the NFL is the next in line, yeah. but I guarantee the NFL is going to figure that out. They're, you know how they say, Dan, when people drink, it, it doesn't change your personality, but it enhances whatever your personality is? That's what we're seeing with baseball. This mistrust has always been there between the Players Association and the owners. We're just seeing it enhanced by what the situation is currently, and I think that's 
that would have been the case in the NFL or the NBA or the NHL. But I think the one that the, the one league that had the most mistrust was Major League Baseball. So it was ripe for this to happen no matter what. I think we would have seen more challenges from the other sports if they were in the same position that baseball is in. But I think they would have handled it still better because of the lack of mistrust. And the leaks, all Ugh. the info that comes out. That's just that, awful. That's a horrible look. Yeah, it's been rough. Ribs, BK, have a great weekend. Have a great show. Luke, thank you. And I'll be back with all of you. Thanks for... Uh, all the Rhino Shield mic drops, the Air Comfort Service text line messages. I really appreciate that. We'll talk to you at 10 o'clock on Monday here on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.